Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Hi, everybody. Here we are at episode number nine, and today I have a really special treat for us. I had the pleasure of having our very first guest on the podcast, and he shares a lot of really intriguing wisdom. If you identify as an empath, if you struggle with energetic boundaries, and if you want to learn some let's say, a different way of looking at health and illness, then I invite you to have a listen to today's chat. Today, I'll be sharing an interview that I did with Aaron Banfield. He's a registered acupuncturist and a Qigong teacher. He's also a fellow practitioner of mine here in our wonderful little mountain town, and we've had some fantastic discussions, so I knew I had to bring him on to share some of his thoughts. And I absolutely love the way that Aaron sums up being a highly sensitive person from a a different viewpoint. So if you are intrigued, if you want to learn a little bit more, including some practical tips, on boosting your energetic boundaries, then I invite you to grab a cup of tea, get cozy, and settle in for today's episode. But first, let me just tell you a little bit more about Aaron. So again, he's a registered acupuncturist and Qigong teacher. After developing a serious digestive illness at the age of nine, Aaron was able to get off the cycle of medication, and hospitalization by immersing himself in classical Chinese medicine treatments and practices. Aaron works to facilitate similar transformative experiences with others in order to assist them in their own journeys to wholeness. Aaron believes that healing is an inherently creative, participatory process. He has seen that many people feel frustrated and disempowered because they do not experience active involvement in their own healing journey. In response, Aaron uses an integrated, patient-centered approach to assist clients through a variety of TCM techniques, which includes acupuncture, acupressure, medical qigong, counseling, and more. I'll share his details again towards the end of the show, but you can always head straight over to his website at www.aaronbanfield.com, and I'll pop that in the show notes below as well. And lastly, as a little point of clarification, as it might be confusing otherwise, I mentioned an upcoming workshop that I'm having, and this is the Awakening HSP Circle for this month which is actually a crystal workshop. So I refer to it in today's episode, but since we filmed it a little while ago, the date won't quite line up. So it's actually this coming Friday, February 26th, and I'll pop the link for that in the show notes as well if you want to dive in and learn more about working with crystals. 
All right, let's head into the very first guest on the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. Really excited to dive in and have a conversation with you today about all things highly sensitive and see where our conversation goes. So let's start off with the basics. What is it that you do? Thanks, Lisa. Um, great to be here. What do I do? That classic question. Well, to answer it in a conventional sense, as in like, what's my profession? Um, I practice traditional Chinese medicine for a living, um, primarily acupuncture and also acupressure and medical Qigong. And I teach Qigong classes and various Chinese medicine adjacent workshops from time to time as well. So TCM, that's, that's my thing. And it's pretty fantastic. I can say from experience, from going to Aaron's classes, from receiving sessions, and you popped up when I tuned in. I'm like, all right, who's going to kick us off for guests on the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast? Your name popped up right at the start of the list. So here we are. And I'm super excited to dive in because... I think you have some really unique knowledge that can bring a different layer to people's understanding of themselves, their own nature, and as well how being highly sensitive can show up. I feel like you've got some different different words and viewpoints on that. So it was some of the background on why we're here today. And I'm curious, what got you into being a TCM? Yeah, it was personal experience. Um, when I was about nine years old, um, I developed what would be later diagnosed as Crohn's disease. And it was wrapped up part and parcel with a sort of spiritual awakening. Um, some things that then reoccurred later in life in uh, medicine ceremonies uh, came to me then at that time when I was a little kid and uh, I didn't really know how to articulate what I was experiencing and our society doesn't really know how to recognize when kids are experiencing like profound soul um, demand and uh, so I wasn't really held in it and it manifested in my body and I became really really ill um, almost died when I was 12. I spent a month in the hospital and tried a lot of different things. Um, I was very blessed to have, you know, pretty cool parents. Um, still am blessed to have pretty cool parents. Um, tried a bunch of alternative stuff and nothing made a huge, huge difference until when I was 19, I, uh, started receiving treatments from Dr. Michael Smith in Nelson still in practice um, and his uh, approach to Chinese medicine his training was as a Taoist priest and the, the medicine was sort of uh, how do we put it like the the practical manifestation of that training um, the, the priesthood expressed itself through the medicine and 
his approach was profoundly holistic, super psycho-emotional, spiritual, and it transformed my life. Um, his teachings gave me a totally new understanding of like what it means to be human and what health is and what illness is. Um, I went back and resolved stuff that I'd been carrying for years and years and I had a massive healing crisis, um, kind of coincided with getting burned out from work, but, um, I was basically out of commission for a couple of months, um, but was held through that whole experience, um, by Mike. I was the second sickest I'd ever been, but came out of it in the best health of my life. Um, you know, profoundly clear and aligned physically as well as mentally, emotionally. I'd been working for a, a nonprofit environmental organization and was kind of burned out, as I said, and, and also a little disillusioned with the whole activist scene. I mean, I was like 20 years old and really idealistic getting into it. So there was this, this intersection of wanting to find a new life path that was still meaningful and uh, becoming a true believer in Chinese medicine. So it was uh, suggested to me, <clears throat> you know, since you like this stuff so much, have you thought of doing it? And I talked to Mike and he said, yeah, I think you'd be good. And as I like to say, I stepped onto the path and I haven't stepped off. That was, uh, well, that was 2002 and it's 2021 now. So it's definitely been a huge part of life and of all of the, uh, I've been involved with many, many different practitioners for my own healing journey. And generally people really do walk their talk to a pretty deep level, but I feel like you take that to a whole up level again. Like it's so interwoven in you, even in our conversations, how much all that you've learned and how you take care of yourself just shows up. So I'm curious, you mentioned something before about learning these different ideas of what is health and what is illness. And I'm curious if you would like to elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, certainly. Well, thanks for the reflection. I mean, I'm far from perfect. You know, I, I have lots of struggles, faults, and failings, including in how I take care of myself. But, um, it's nice to nice to hear that I'm seen in a, in a good way, and you know I, I certainly try. In Chinese medicine, we have some pretty like profoundly distinct ways of looking at these phenomena from mainstream Western medicine, which I have great respect for. Like I would be dead twice without Western medicine. Um, I think it very much has its place. What is, we'll start with what is illness, which will, eh, it all weaves together. In Chinese medicine, we fundamentally look at the body like a landscape, like an ecosystem. And it has a whole bunch of different components. It has its fields, it has its rivers, it has its mountains and valleys and various plants. Um, and it's also, the body is in a sense viewed in a little more of a human realm, like the, uh, 
like a nation with the different organs occupying the different um, positions of, of government. This is a sort of classic, somewhat more Confucian way of looking at it. But the idea is that all of the organs operate in harmony um, with fundamental guidance from the heart, who's considered the sovereign, to keep everything running smoothly. Um, so health is, um, you know, it's not simply the absence of disease, as is so often said. We have this concept called zheng qi in Chinese medicine. And the character for Zhang is a person standing with really good posture. And it's this concept of like everything being as it should be. It's like, it's our homeostasis. It's our fundamental okayness. That like multitudinous complex dynamics of how things work together just in their original way slash the way they were designed. What we experience as illness is a reflection of something being off in the landscape, in the country, in the ecosystem with the fullness of our Zheng Qi. You know, following from this notion that everything is like part of a great whole that has a sort of fundamental harmonious way of being when one thing goes off everything gets impacted by that you know a lot of people come with digestive problems it's um, it's what got me into chinese medicine maybe i attracted to a degree but it's also something we're somewhat known for and it's like okay your your stomach is having issues or your as we say in Chinese medicine, your spleen, which is sort of our, our general assimilative functions, are having issues. But is that what's really root of it? Or is it something else? Is it a pattern of what we call liver attacking spleen, which is sort of internalized stress disrupting our digestion? So this is all to say that both health and illness in Chinese medicine are viewed as an expression of a complex interplay of a lot of different aspects of our fundamental whole as a being. We consider that there are three different bodies, the physical, the energetic, and the spirit. And uh, different experiences that we have impact each of these, and they're all inter-influential, which is sort of an important um, layer to that answer. Definitely. And that's one of the things that first attracted me to exploring Chinese medicine from a, a client, a patient, whatever word you want to use from that standpoint, because of the holism. And I feel like the word holistic has lost some of its potency right now. It's, it's used quite a lot. And, but that's okay. It, it's in some ways speaks to the fact that we're starting to look beyond such a narrowed in reductionist approach, which can have its time and place as, as again, going to echo that Western medicine has some brilliant, brilliant things to offer. But I find, especially for the longer term, for exploring deep, meaningful layers of ourselves, I feel like Chinese medicine has a very different way of looking at things. Well, I'll just, I'm going to jump on there. 
it does have a very different way of looking at things. And in what I've found, all indigenous systems of medicine, because Chinese medicine's ancient, right? The original needles were made of bone. All indigenous systems of medicine, whether it's TCM or Ayurveda or like First Nations health practices, there's a book out there called The Wind in the Blood that can, compares uh, Chinese medicine and traditional Mayan medicine. They all resemble each other. Ancient Greek medicine. Um, there's really like a shared worldview and a shared perspective on what medicine and everything is. Just this modern Western is like this weird outlier. You know, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> and it's it's the dominant one. <laughs> that it that it certainly is in our in our culture and and as with any toolbox, I feel like there's there's a time and place. If there's ever an accident, something very life threatening, if something that needs to be checked out, we've got some amazing imaging. And for those that are new to the show, my background is as a nurse. So I've seen some wonderful things come out of Western medicine. And when we say that, we just mean our regular healthcare system, going to see your doctor, all that side of things. So in no way putting that down, just saying there's a whole other way of looking at the body that has been looked at for many, 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 many years in this other way. So Mm -hmm. is it really that alternative to be looking at something like Chinese medicine, or as you say, Ayurveda as alternative, or maybe our actual Western medicine is the alternative one. Just food for you thought. You want to hear my, uh, my favorite personal experience with Western medicine? I mean, it's not my favorite. My favorite is when I like didn't die, but... Yeah, that's we're very happy for that. So this is in my teenage years. Crohn's disease, uh, one of its manifestations frequently is chronic diarrhea. So... um I was put on this medication to address my loose stools, but uh, with long-term use, it would cause calcium deficiency. So I was put on this prescription calcium supplement, one of the side effects of which was diarrhea. And that sums it up so well, (laughs) so well, the vicious cycle that continues with much much gratitude to all those who have looked after us in any capacity. Sometimes we have those moments where you're like, but why? Look at the whole picture. Yeah. Now I still remember back in, especially in early nursing days, before there was a big shift. We won't go too far down the Western medical track, but of just having three full pages of medications to give people. And literally I'd end up with like multiple little medicine cups and I'm like, I don't feel quite... Right. So then, uh, thankfully, now we're much more cognizant of that, calling on medication reviews, but things like that pop up more often than I think we'd like. For sure. (laughs) When one side effect leads to what we were originally trying to support in the first place. And it makes my job hard because, you know, in Chinese medicine, we use pulse and tongue diagnosis, and pharmaceuticals will really change both of those a lot of the time. So it's hard to get a sense of what's uh, kind of authentically going on in a person's system. I mean, you know, we can still do lots, but it, it um, obfuscates matters. Very good point on that. That is definitely definitely an element that I, w- I wouldn't have thought of as much, but I, I love how hands-on 
your sessions are and pretty much most acupuncture sessions that I've ever been to there's generally a lot more looking at that person looking at their body looking at as you said tongue pulse and seeing what else is going on it leads to kind of a a slight shift that I want to bring in here is how do you bring what's happening in the outer world what's happening in our seasons into that person's picture when they come in. So we're heading into spring right now. And by all means, I'm very, very much just a a fan and and have that curiosity. I know different elements influence at different times of year, but I wonder if you'd give us a bit of a, a bit of a snapshot or a more in-depth up to you of what's happening in spring on a more of a energetics level and how can people support themselves with that? Sure. Um, I can always go on at length about things. So I'll give a snapshot because we have lots of stuff to talk about. Me too. About. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me too. I'm going to I'm going to quickly jump on to the word element. Super commonly said the, the Chinese five elements. But uh it's actually a really bad translation of the character uh, Xing. Xing does not relate or convey element at all um it uh translates more directly as as phase it generally means like movement going shifting that kind of thing in chinese um like it's part of the word for travel lu xing colloquially in mandarin it just means like okay like do it xing um so yeah the wu xing the five phases which you know isn't just me being pedantic i think that it also has an important uh connotation in that the elements transform into each other and are very very uh inter-influential rather than being these set like things anyways (laughs) brevity I'm really glad you I'm glad you brought that distinction in because I think it's important to a clarify I get to learn new things but so much of the work I do is following the seasons and following their shifts and they just dance into each other there is generally not a bookend this is the end of winter this is the start of spring they meld into each other so I'm glad you brought that in because it makes so much sense yeah, in, uh, in Chinese cosmology, the seasons enter at various different levels. Like first it comes into the atmosphere, and then it comes into the air, and then it comes into the ground. It might do one other. It's very much a, a phasey thing. Yeah, I mean, going on hikes together, I very much delighted in your delight in the seasons and the changing of the natural world. Um, I definitely, definitely get your appreciation there. It's probably my biggest element, there's that word again, of self-care, of getting outside, of connecting with something bigger. But nature is one of the most incredible teachers I know. So the more I can learn about her, the more I can live my life fully. And that's why when yes, when we're on hikes, and they're very slow hikes, Aaron and I, we take our time. <laughs> We are not really getting anywhere, no. but we are out there just... We uh, stop and smell the everything 
yeah. everything, the trees, not just the flowers. And yeah, when it comes to these shifts in seasons and I've been really feeling spring coming in. So I love that you brought in, through, it starts through the atmosphere, through the air, sort of sinks down into the ground. So it's almost like we get these little hints of it as it, as it comes up. But I know for me in springtime, I find I tend to be a lot more, uh, for one thing, there's more energy, things start moving. I crave different herbs, which I find interesting. But I also find my access to more intuitive spiritual things just opens up to a whole new level every spring. So I have no idea if that fits into <laughs> what you were going to say. It, it all resonates perfectly. Um, yeah, in Chinese medicine, the season of spring resonates with the phase of wood. Wood in the five phases um, comes after water, which is qi settled in stillness. And then it becomes wood, which is qi moving in a focused direction. Uh, then there's fire, earth, metal, water. The springtime, the east, the dawn, um, the phase of wood, it relates in our um, body with the liver. And the liver is responsible for a few things in Chinese medicine. For our purposes, I'll say three of them. Um, one, it's responsible for the smooth and complete circulation of qi in our body. So we can kind of like see this as metaphorically like the sap starting to run through the trees in the spring. The liver really kicks up and gets our chi circulating strongly. Um, the liver is responsible for vision. So eye stuff um, on a physical level as well as our, our visionary, dreaming, creative self. And then on the uh, on the spirit level it said that there are, in the old ways there are five spirits that inhabit our body and the one that resides in the liver is called the hun and the hun um the character is the, the character for ghost and the character for cloud and it uh it's what's often translated as our ethereal soul the Hun is that which travels from lifetime to lifetime, is concerned with our growth as a spiritual being, and also leaves the body when we sleep to travel in the dream world. So very much those like big picture thoughts, those like directions of growth that, you know, how am I going to grow as a being, as a person, as a, as a soul, that all comes really big in the springtime, according to the teachings of Chinese medicine. A fascinating way of looking at each of the different, well, I'll always use the word seasons just because that's my background more, but I feel like there just is so much depth to giving each each season or in this place, am I saying it like, is wood rising right now? Am I making that up in the wrong way? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I would say the resonance of wood is starting to make itself known. Here we are in mid-February, yeah. And how much of a different way of being it is to walk with this understanding. And this is one of the reasons why I thought, you know, spring is a really, they're all interesting times. Let's, let's be honest, all seasons <laughs> are interesting, but there's, there's that quickening that happens. And I think when people have a deeper understanding 
of what is happening kind of behind the scenes or on an energetic level, I feel like they can really step into the flow of that and dance with those energies instead of against them. So that's a bit of background on why I brought up, hey, I'd love to talk about spring. And absolutely. Yeah, it looked like you were just going to dive in on something there. Oh, living in harmony with the seasons is one of the eight limbs of, of medicine in Chinese thought. Just to, to confirm what you were saying. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I, I can definitely vouch for how helpful that is. And I'm curious, going back to you shared before of the practitioner you were seeing who was a Taoist priest and that now just shifting into this idea of working with the seasons and also our own, so that outer nature and how it reflects our inner nature. So wondering if you could speak to a little bit about the Taoist notions of self-care and destiny. Yeah. And as this is a show on highly sensitives, just if there's any relation to the highly sensitive person in that. Yeah, lots to say about um, the highly sensitive, I don't know, archetype, phenomenon, way, path, <laughs> destiny. In Chinese medicine, they all fit beautifully, actually. <laughs> there is a lot of Taoist philosophy woven. And there's a, a Taoist concept ethic um, called De. And it's often translated as virtue, but that's like not great. Um, Mike liked to call it innate self nature. It's you know, we can think of it as like our unique shape as a puzzle piece in the grand puzzle board of creation. Um, it is that which makes us uh, particularly us and it's perfect and it's distinct and it is... Um, it is existing in relation to everything else. Just like a puzzle piece, its shape is in relation to all the pieces around it. So the one of the one of the main things that we work on in Chinese practice. The kitty just showed up. Um we have a, a little bit yeah. extra visitor. This is new me. Illumina, meaning divine underpinnings of reality. Um, when I got her, her name was Snugglepuss. That had to go. That's a good change in cat name. She's just come to visit and, and join us today, which I'm very always yep. glad for. What are we talking about? Duh. Right. So one of our works as a human is to seek, refine come ever more clearly and deeply into relationship with our du, with our innate self-nature, because that's sort of the, the foundation of a lot of things, we say. There's the classic Taoist ethic of Wu Wei, which I like to translate as without striving. I love that. And yeah, right? It's a, a way of going through life 
that, you know, essentially means going with the flow. But then it's like, what is the flow? A big part of it is our deep wisdom and the messages that come from our heart and from our gut and from our connection with the divine. And particularly those that first one, the messages from our heart, that's really dependent on a good, clear connection to our du. Um So it's kind of like by knowing ourselves, we can confidently practice non-striving, knowing that we're getting getting clear messages that we can, you know, relax into and, and have um, faith in the unfolding thereof. So, you know, in this perspective, being a highly sensitive person is, it's our du, it's our, it's our puzzle piece shape. Um, it's uh, our particular manifestation of being a human that was, uh, you know, according to the teachings, um, was bound to happen given all the circumstances that led to our creation and uh, that needed to exist to um, assist in the unfolding of the Tao, um, you know, the great, the great way, you know, certainly something to be, to be embraced beyond accepted. And yeah, trusting that kind of like whatever is our, whatever is our nature that is, um, what ought to be, and our job is to be in relationship with it in a good way. You know, I like to say that, um, you know, sensitivity is a blessing. It simply demands skillfulness of us. Really want to underline that, that statement, that sensitivity is a blessing that demands skillfulness. I think that's really, really key. Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen so many people in my clinic who you know, would-be medicine people in a traditional society weren't recognized, weren't held when they were young. And it's caused a bunch of problems in life. I mean, that was, that was my story. You know, be it like being constantly overwhelmed or having like shut down a really vital part of themselves just in order to, to function and get by you know, constantly find themselves in difficult situations where they lose uh, sight of what's them and what's something else, you know, getting wrapped up in other people's journeys. Um, the lot of it, uh, taking on stuff, that's a, that's a big thing in especially Qigong practice, is how we're sort of energetically osmotic and absorb the... Uh, absorb the emanations of chi from the, the beings around us. I feel like that might resonate a lot with people. So I just want to invite a little heartfelt pause, a little heartfelt resource and, and just a holding of that idea that part of you has been shut down or if part of you has felt just too, too difficult or being too frequently overwhelmed just wanting to name that if you're hearing that now and going like, oh my gosh, I have been there and maybe I'm still there now. Just want to know that you're, you're seen, you're known. Even if you're listening to this 
ages in the future that this can be a bit of a moment of realizing that, wow, maybe this is really a gift that demands skillfulness. And I'd love to hear, especially as you were just talking about being osmotic, taking on the energy and the different levels of chi of people. I may be saying that completely wrong. No problems with that. But I'm curious about this concept of wei chi or protective fields. Mm. And I feel like a lot of the classic ways of working with other people's energies versus our own is is shielding. And I have my own story on that. And I feel like there's a, a whole other conversation in that. But I feel like there's a slightly different way of looking at it through this wei chi, this protective field, than just a straight, mm, that's you, this me. And I'd love to hear yeah, your your thoughts on that or if you have any suggestions for acupressure points around these boundaries or clearing. However, it feels good to share or flow out around that just to give us some tools now that we've opened up to some new layers. Yeah, for sure. So in Chinese medicine, there's a lot of different kinds of qi. And one of them is called wei. Wei Qi, defensive Qi. And what the Wei Qi fundamentally is, is it's this flow um, slash wave that emanates from the center of our sternum, uh, right at the sternal highest point. It is quite yang in nature, meaning it's uh, warm, active, outward. And it flows through our meridians and then through the 10,000 gates in our skin um, to fill the space around us. It is a constantly moving, constantly emanating phenomenon that serves two functions. First, it warms our channels. And two, and, you know, most, in a sense, significantly and better known, because of its constant outward movement, it has this pushing function to keep out pathogenic chi, as we say. And this is both, you know, classical pathogens, viruses, and bacteria and such, and also that which exists on the energetic and spiritual level. So it is the Wei Qi that infuses our Wei Qi fields. And uh, notice the plural. Um, do you want to jump in? You have a question before I get into the fields? I'm totally happy to get into the fields. I just wanted to name that aspect of, or this idea of, of energy of Qi uh, this, and this pushing out action. I feel like that's a different concept than a lot of people may have heard about when it comes to this idea of of our own just energetic space and boundaries so there's mm. a, a different it's just a different way of thinking that this is a natural way that our energy that our chi moves is one part of it anyways to move outwards and that is protective in and of itself hopefully i have summed that up correctly yeah yeah that, that's accurate yeah the way shield is, is perpetually pushing outward if it's strong Good caveat. Yeah, um, just a slight tangent. The Wei Qi comes 
from a more primordial chi called dong chi, uh, ancestor chi, but it, um, I'm not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> and there's this yin-yang division from zong. The yang is chi, and the yin is what's called the ing chi, or nutritive, and that goes internally and uh, nourishes our body. Naturally, our being will prioritize keeping itself alive. So if we're run down, we're going to make ying qi before we make wei qi. So our wei qi becomes low. And then even if we've like constructed a really good dynamic for our fields, there just isn't fuel running through it. And uh, that's how stuff gets in. That seems like a very wise way of the body for, of course, working and prioritize keeping us alive. Absolutely. However, mm -hmm. I think coming back to those that are highly sensitive and, and are perhaps evolving their toolboxes, for lack of a better term, and honestly, we all are lifelong wise. We're, we're evolving, we're learning, we're changing. So this isn't an end. <laughs> There's no end to this. But no end. I love I mean... that idea. Almost like encouragement of, of continuing on to find ways that support living with the gift of sensitivities and i'll let you yeah dive on in there too a little bit more on on the wei qi yeah so it's considered that we have three wei qi fields three layers almost like three bubbles for those that aren't watching is that is that yeah a like, like three yeah like <laughs> right like cannot uh, rely on my gesticulations because even though we're on video <laughs> you might not be watched yeah there there's three three layers three shells three bubbles um the first is like from our skin to about three inches out um, the next is like from three to six or a foot um and then it's from like a foot to three feet or so out from us kind of depends different people have different layer levels of like how big our bubble is that makes sense so that's that's where that variation comes from and um i sometimes like to when i'm teaching a class on this stuff have people like walk towards each other and stop when you first kind of like feel a person's presence nearing you um and just like notice what that's like and then to come in to where you feel like oh this person's close to me and notice what that's like and then to come in really close that like within three inches away where you're like just kind of hovering over the skin and to really feel what that's like and this gives us sort of a tangible sense of our three Wei Qi fields. Yeah, the first uh, mediates like kind of our everyday interactions, you know, with like the, the bank teller and the person at the coffee shop and the bus driver and what have you. So it, um, you know, these are all like selectively permeable, ideally. They um, filter what gets in, what gets out through that the next layer is people that are like in our life 
but not you know super but not intimate you know, our our coworkers our friendly acquaintances things like that and then the closest is you know our, our our family and our partner and our very very dear friends things like that so that's kind of how these three resonate and we can think of it in like you know that getting close exercise of like would I be comfortable with a person with that kind of relationship being that close to my body? So each of these has like a different color, a different direction on the Chinese medicine wheel that they're infused by, different vibe. And I mean, we can get into that if we have time later, maybe. But it's essentially to say that each of them has, you know, a pretty distinct set of qualities to it they're all fueled by our wei qi but they also the well-being of them is dependent on like how solid we are with the various qualities that that field resonates with it's a lot more um, nuance to our our personal bubble than one may have ever thought <laughs> yeah there's a lot going on so you go to a you know, it's like in Chinese medicine, we have 12 pulses that we feel when we diagnose. It's a, a little bit more uh, layers to it than I think we would have originally imagined. And I know people are probably already wondering, listening to this, well, how do I, knowing that this is a multi, this is its own journey, but I'm probably wondering, how do I, how do I strengthen this or at least strengthen boundaries and... Mm -hmm. I don't know, going back to that fuel of taking care of yourself first, so there is enough fuel, but I'm curious, yeah, if you had anything you wanted to expand on there, or if I dove in and you had another yeah. train of thought before then, feel free to continue. No, 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 I was, I was, I was open. Um, how do we support these uh, layers of our bubble? Was the question. Yeah, if there's ways that people can support this, this sense of boundaries and now we have my cat visiting who will hopefully not knock anything over <laughs> hi sweetie <laughs> she's coming in there's things people can do even from a self-care standpoint to mm -hmm. support that that protective field or that wei qi yeah for sure so abundant wei qi is really predicated on just abundant like qi just vital life force so, you know, it's all easier said than done, but being well slept, being well nourished for simple quantity, as long as our spleen and kidneys are working, which are the things that um, replenish our chi when we eat and sleep, respectively. General practices to boost up our overall level of vitality. Um, you know, I, I did a workshop with this other Taoist priest and someone asked him, you know, how do you make your energetic field strong? And he said, well, the first step is actually to make your body strong. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, if you um, if you have good tone and a lot of just life running through you, then automatically there's more going on for your Wei Qi and automatically your energy body reflects your physical as well as vice versa so your your bubbles will be stronger so these are kind of like you know really foundational stuff because wei qi is yang 
doing things that are yang will uh, boost it up. So vigorous yoga exercise that strengthens the muscles um, gives you tone. I was going to say, can I just dive in with a, a maybe example of that? Because as you're talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that makes a lot more sense in hindsight now. Because when I was really for a long time enjoying my, my quiet home life here in this little mountain town, and also many highly sensitives are are especially drawn to, well, this is part of often our trait, the alone time, the being alone, the replenishing and sometimes, I know for me, I tend to go into that long-form relaxation, that long-form, probably more yin style. I'm going to sit, I'm going to read, I'm going to rest, I'm going to have a bath. And it was only when I consciously started bringing in more activity. We have a climbing gym here in town, very thankful for. And it's only when I started going there really regularly and building up my physical strength again that I had this inner sense of like, man... Like, I'm, I'm here, like, I am strong. And it really boosted bringing in more of this, and, and translating now from my experience to what you're saying, more of this yang energy of actually doing some vigorous exercise again. And it wasn't over over the top, but it was within my mm. comfort level of, of vigorous. Mm-hmm. Really boosted my own sense of inner strength. And obviously makes sense now, would have probably been boosting up that that way cheese so i love that it's a simple way of how people can bring this into their own life of okay winter time we tend to have a lot more rest that's inherent and now we're starting to emerge out and maybe this is a time to start bringing in a little bit more movement as best it feels for each person but i just wanted to dive in with that little like oh aha uh-huh, that makes sense absolutely great sharing great Great, um, yeah, personal example of the of the theory. For myself, I'm a, a really big Ashtanga yoga practitioner, which is a very vigorous and demanding style of yoga. Yeah, I love it. And in our culture, which is so traditionally like, go, 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 this is kind of where we get into finding out what really works for us, finding that resources, and also starting to bring in how do we bring in strengthening exercises in our own life? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's been something that we've forgotten we like to do before. So just having a, a moment, if you're listening, to be like, I wonder how I could bring this into life in a simple way, in an easy way. It could be something that kind of fell off the off to the side and may be time to bring it back in. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of highly sensitive people find mindful practices and that's why I like, you know, for example, vigorous strengthening yoga, because there's still this great emphasis on uh, breath and bandhas and drishti. And, um, you know, it's very it's very meditative at the same time as physically taxing a little more precisely in how we boost our Wei Qi. Um, since it emanates from the very center of the sternum, just tapping just this the bone in the center of your chest just over top of your heart for anyone listening over the airwaves thank you nurse matthews no problem um yeah tapping the uh tapping tapping the the high point of the sternum where the weight emanates from really great way to boost it up 
Um, it's also in, in Qigong, the, the simplest, most straightforward visualization for strengthening and consolidating our Wei Qi fields is simply to imagine a diamond light expanding out from that point and uh, encasing our being. It's kind of like the uh, the energetic, like, you know, pulling the e-brake. You can do it in an instant when there's a situation that shows up, you know, nothing else required. Just like, oh, man. I love that. Or, <laughs> or emanate some chi from my uh, CV-17. There. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what you think yep. at that moment. Yep. <laughs> then a big breath, you know. Yeah. Um, also, posture. Posture is huge, right? Because the Wei Qi emanates from the center of the chest, if we are hunched, if we have a collapsed posture, then that is not uh, opening to the world. Um, and there's a receptivity you know, aspect to that as well, which I think is why a lot of people have a collapsed chest posture. It's protective. Um, but ironically, it diminishes the expression of our protective chi when we do that. So again, this is like how the skillfulness comes, right? Open-hearted in a strong and assertive way. So many highly sensitives are so compassionate. We just are so, we feel for these people that we're engaging with, talking with. Many highly sensitives are empaths. So just really echoing that, that aspect of being that open receptivity, but also strong assertiveness, yep. that strong field. And they can coexist. Absolutely. Let selective permeability be your mantra. <laughs> selective permeability. I love it. And that brings some choice into it where you're not just assuming everything that comes at us is something we have to take in. Exactly so. I mean, I remember when I first started, when I was like still in Chinese medicine school, a patient came and they like just broke up with their partner and they were all sad and like crying on the treatment table. And man, I was bummed out the whole rest of my day. Mm. I just took it on relatively <laughs> mundane thing but, but powerful really still got right in yep got right in and uh you know i i didn't know tons of this stuff back then and there's also just a conditioning that comes with time with being a practitioner yeah i feel like we could have a an entire easily conversation that could evolve into its own its whole own being talking about being a practitioner and having protective fields. So I'm glad you just for sure brought that in as a layer, but curious just in in the essence of our our time together too. I've got two short little questions. Oh no, it's time. To... Terrible invention. I know, time. What is this thing? This relative time. Wait, can I can I quickly <laughs> say two other uh acupoints for people to look up? I was going to say, but I want to, before I get to my two points, I want to open it up for anything else that you wanted to share, anything that we didn't quite finish a thought on, or now these acupoints. Yeah, I wanted to leave a few um, few minutes for space of whatever you wanted to share. Open floor. Okay, vital practical things as I see it. That's, you know, be expeditious. Grab a pen. <laughs> um, oh, listener. Got it. I'm I'm listening. <laughs> 
Yeah, so if you want to get really precise with the acupoint to tap where the Wei Qi emanates from, it is C, as in... Cat? Cat. Uh, v as in Victor, 17 in the international numbering system. And then there's a pair of points on the wrist that are opposite each other. Uh, SJ, also called TW, also called TH, because the Chinese character does not translate well. Sanjiao, yep, five, called Guan, the uh, outer border gate. And then directly opposite it, uh, PC, and that's only got one letter attached, lettering, six. Guan, the inner border gate. These are super classic points for tuning our protective field. Guan, the outer, as the name implies, is more for our, like outer Wei Qi layers, um, the more everyday stuff. Neguan um, is on the channel for the pericardium, which is a membrane surrounding the heart. And on our emotional level, it's like the bodyguard of the heart. Last line before an experience that we're having or a qi that is emanating from someone gets into our heart and we feel it you know, very profoundly. Stuff that hits the pericardium we, we feel quite significantly, um, but it doesn't like get us the way that things that land in the heart do. And, you know, I, ideally we like deliberately open our heart to take in something that we're experiencing. Ideally nothing just automatically gets in there. Hmm. We have that level of... Um, agency around our, our hearts sensitivity ideally um, so those and then the importance of, of clearing and cleansing is the other thing I wanted to really practically bring up because like sometimes super intense stuff just explodes onto the scene and uh, there's nothing we can do but it, uh, it gets in I call so, those the emotional bombs. Just, emotional bombs, exactly. Just explode, and it's like, okay, I'll work with that soon. Yeah, like, oh, well, now I'm full of emotional shrapnel, yeah. I love that we're diving into this. So to pull out the emotional shrapnel from the emotional bombs, um, yeah, just clearing. Like, I smudge myself every day. I do a particular Qigong thing clear my fields after each client that I see yeah because it's uh in my perspective it's inevitable that some stuff will get in so in addition to having good fields it's also important to have really skookum energetic clearing practices that makes perfect sense and any suggestions for people on clearing even though that's its whole class on itself yeah i mean everyone finds their own resonances i mean i am a huge fan of smudging with like sage palo santo sweetgrass cedar and you know there's a lot of crystals out there that are good for that i'm not like a crystal medicine um expert by any stretch so i'm not going to suggest any say i'm a 
I'm doing a crystal workshop next next Friday, so I'm like, well, I may be sliding that in there or doing Sweet. something on because if you could see my desk right now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, me and crystals get along rather well. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of qigong out there for clearing the wei qi field. I believe someone put on YouTube uh, the practice I do, which is called pulling down the heavens or bringing down the heavens. I remember so, that one, actually. I love that one. It's great. One of my favorite practices, super foundational in the school that I'm in. So a little brief recap, if people want to have a little Google to look up CB17, you can let me know if I get any of these wrong, SJ yep. or TW or TH, they're all the same, five. Yep. And PC6. Quite so. And tapping on those as sort of that, that boosting. And then on the clearing end, agreed, I do a lot of smoke clearing and I work a lot with flower essences for clearing actually that's one of my core ways mm. and absolutely love working with them that way yeah, and you're such a flower medicine person ah because they are just yeah my heart just explodes a little bit there I love them <laughs> and a little note on plants this is something I just feel personally really passionate about working with those that call and that resonate to you and this may or may not be something that has popped into your your realm yet Aaron but just how much Palo Santo is is hurting as a plant is really getting yeah it's a yeah no it's it's a big ethical issue 100 percent. yeah it's just one of those one of those tricky ones that I love I adore the smell but uh, this is where people get to make their own their own decision on which plants to use. But I love, love, love connecting with local plants. Who grows near you? Who do you have a connection with? And that in itself can be incredibly empowering and I feel like boosts the the ability and I don't I don't want to use the word effectiveness because it's so mechanical, <laughs> but can really boost the, the clearing that can happen is having a personal connection with any of the plants that you use. So I'm very passionate about connecting with cedar. I love all things cedar and I have them, I'm blessed to have them growing on either side of my home. So there's so many ways that we can start to, to get this medicine in nearby and locally. So I just wanted to bring that little caveat in for some fun too. Beautiful. Anything else that pops up before my just two little wrap-up questions here? Um, we say that astragalus consolidates the weichi. Oh, I love that. Okay, astragalus consolidates the weichi. Very cool. My two questions I wanted to bring in, and they can just be whatever pops into your brain first, and obviously, of course, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. What do you consider your biggest challenge of being a highly sensitive and secondly because they sometimes pair not always what do you consider your favorite gift of being highly sensitive Ooh. um my biggest challenge of being a highly sensitive is staying present my maladaptive response to what i was experiencing when i was younger was basically to dissociate um, I was really disconnected from my body because it was a very painful, sick place a lot of the time. 
And on a um, more foundational level, just to like check out and not feel what was going on. Um, and that's pretty old, well-established wiring that I can easily fall into. I mean, I, I do my practices, you know, for the benefit of the practice, but also for just the simple sake of being present and mindful. Because, um, yeah, I can get pretty checked out and then, you know, nothing works really well in my life. Mm. Um, that's the hardest as sort of an ongoing, like, my nature thing. And, you know, just being highly sensitive generally, like, before all that, it was the simple fact of um, seeing what's up in situations or with people and feeling that strongly. Yeah. It can be pretty heavy. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And what's your favorite gift of it all? Uh, seeing what's up in situations and with people. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I asked them together, because they're, they're sometimes two sides of the same coin. Yeah. I, um, I love the, the depth of perception that my nature seems to have in addition to serving me as a medicine person and kind of, you know, one of my teachers said 90% of our job is diagnosis, um, really helping to, to get a clear, not picture, but like comprehension of what's going on. It also, I find that I can kind of sense the essence of things um, fairly, fairly well with the, my nature. Um, and essences tend to be pretty potent. So, uh, you know, stuff affects me that way. And I can respond, I find, often to what is underlying things and what is at the root of things. And thus, uh, be pretty, I don't know, effective, impactful, engaged. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing as well your experience of being a highly sensitive person. And it's one of the reasons why I open up this conversation is so that people can see in their own life, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that feels like that. So I really, really honor you and thank you for bringing in your experiences, your knowledge, your wisdom and some really, really fun new perspectives on all things Chinese medicine. I know we've gotten like barely the smallest slice of the pie today, but I feel like those listening have probably learned a lot. So thank you. You're welcome. Oh, heck, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been on this path for 19 years and I only have the barest slice of the pie of <laughs> the great depth that is this tradition. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing like super special about me. I just had the great good fortune to encounter really good teachers along my path who uh, saw me and um, brought medicine and, and teachings that um, 
helped me profoundly on, on this particular human lifetime. And, uh, you know, I hope to kind of pay it forward. And I think you do that very, very well. So I'm really grateful for everything you shared today and just holding a moment of gratitude for all our teachers in life, even if we don't perhaps think of them in that way, having a moment to realize, wow, there's been a lot of impactful, influential people. So sending a thank you to them. And how can people connect with you or learn more yeah. about you? Yep. The website? That's yeah, my things. website is uh, simply my name, Aaron Banfield. That's A-A-R-O-N-B-A-N as in Nova, F-I-E-L-D, like feel the wheat dot com. Um, I, you know, I'm based in the Kootenays for one-on-one -on -one treatments. And I also do consults online and distance medical Qigong treatments, which is kind of the Chinese version of Reiki for those who are into that sort of thing. Beautiful. And you offer Qigong classes online as well, if I'm not mistaken? Yep. Yep. So know if you feel called, you're welcome to check out a little bit more about Aaron and just another huge thank you for being on the show today and being our very first guest. So happy to have had you today. I did not know I was your very first guest. Wow, that, this is a great honor. Thank you, Lisa. My absolute pleasure. And been a lot of fun, been a lot of learning. And for now, unless there's anything else, we'll just say a goodbye. And until next time, we'll see you then. This has really been a pleasure indeed. Thank you so much and many blessings, many blessings, everyone. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Well, I trust that you learned something new today. Hopefully you have some new information, some helpful ways of thinking about yourself and be sure to check out some of the points that Aaron mentioned, as well as the bringing down the heavens Qigong practice. With that, I'm going to move us towards a close for today. Just a little reminder that the Awakening HSP Circle for February is a crystal workshop where we're going to be diving into 10 different ways to cleanse your crystals and why that's even important anyway. We'll also be doing some guided meditations and a special crystal connection for you to get some first-hand information of how to work with your crystals instead of only reading about it in a book. So you can find more information on that at combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. And I'll be sharing soon what our theme is for March for the Awakening HSP Circle. If you've enjoyed today's episode, if you have a friend that you think would particularly benefit, I invite you to just send them the link or share it with them in some way. And of course, if you'd like to rate, review, and follow the podcast, that would be amazing as well. So have a beautiful day, and until next time, bye for now. <laughs>